0: This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reineck. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. Recently, there have been some examples of great stock returns shared by people on Twitter, such as Business Insider and a few others. And these are articles, I know you've seen them because they keep posting them, Because so it, clearly we're clicking on it, but these are articles that are Like uh, couched as if you had bought Microsoft at its IPO, you'd be up 22,000%. And then they basically go through all the hot stocks and post different articles about each one. So the translation is you'd be rich if you had bought whatever stock it is they're talking about and held it about 10 um, to 20 years at least. Some of them are a little longer. Some are like 30 years that they give. And who doesn't like this? Like I said, I click on these articles every single time. Um, you know, we love to see examples of people crushing it. And I love seeing when people buy and hold and crush it too. A lot of us value investors are long-term investors. So I feel like value and the buy and hold strategy go hand in hand. It's kind of the nature of it. I. Liken it to the Warren Buffett influence, because he has a habit of owning for decades, basically. And a lot of value investors obviously follow him and his philosophy. So value and long term investing go hand in hand. But these particular articles, even though I am clicking on it, because who doesn't, have been driving me crazy. Um, if you've checked out my Twitter feed, you'll notice that when a new one of these comes out or I happen to see it, or sometimes they'll repost their old articles and like just update the amounts it's gone up, then... I retweet out because I feel like these are unrealistic, even though I like seeing these examples. So basically every stock does have a down period and they have sell-offs. Every single stock has this. It may not seem like it in the last 10 years because some of the ones you've owned may have only had 5 or 10% pullbacks. And otherwise it's just up, 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 especially the fang and the hot growth names. But eventually they will stagnate and or go down. That's just what every single stock does. So most investors, I feel, won't wait out that stagnant period or the period when it really starts to pull back. And so these articles that talk about, oh, if only you held 25 years, you'd be up 10,000% are somewhat unrealistic because very few people do it. I'd love to have someone come forward who, for instance, bought Netflix on the IPO and never sold, because that's one of the ones they keep sending out the article about. There has to be someone out there, right, who's done this. And I'm not talking about a corporate insider at all, but just a normal retail investor, normal mom and pop like you or I, who went out there and bought you know, maybe on the IPO or just after the IPO, or even a year after or so and has held all this time. So let's take a look at Netflix and what that would have been like. So it went IPO on May 23rd, 2002. That's not that long ago, that's just 16 years. So we're not talking about a Microsoft or an Apple where you'd have to have bought the IPO you know, 30 or maybe even longer than 30 years ago now. Um, it didn't go IPO in the 1980s or even the 1990s, we're only talking about 2002. So a $1,000 investment in that IPO would be worth about $310,000 today. Those are the types of articles we like to see, right? Like, oh, that's so easy. That's basically winning the lottery, right? And you'd think there would be someone out there who has held this whole time. But yet when all these articles ever come out you never hear of anyone who comes forward. It's kind of like the missing lottery winner, right? They don't come forward to brag. And I would think if that was me, I would let people know, at least on you know Twitter or StockTwits or something, because this is a phenomenal investment and I would be talking about it. So strangely, no one has come forward to say that they own that whole time. And why is that? That's because if you look at the actual chart, the first six years of Netflix existence were actually pretty wild. By 2004, so two years after the IPO, the shares were only up 35%, which isn't like awful or anything, but you're not exactly going gangbusters in there. And remember what Netflix business was in 2002. I got the little red envelope in the mail. Remember that? I got three movies in the mail. And they were competing against Redbox and the local video store and Blockbuster, actually, (laughs) I was still around. So was this a business I really wanted to own? Maybe. But like I said, the first six years were kind of crazy. And then there were stretches even later when they did launch the streaming and their business model started to change that the shares barely moved. So take a look at just recently from July 2015 until the end of December 2016. Shares were all over the place in that amount of time, including they were down 10% a couple of times in that time period. And then they finished up that 18 months up about 27%. So was that smooth sailing? Was I just like, la-di-da, like going along? No. And Netflix doesn't pay a dividend, which can ease some pain for longer term investors because at least you're getting some kind of return while you're dealing with the ups and downs. So, just looking at like some of these examples, this is the reason why no one comes forward because most people cannot stay in a stack like that. And I was looking around to see what the average hold time was for investors because someone asked me this on Twitter just the other day and it looks like from the research that's been done it's Under two years now is the average hold time by the regular mom and pop investors, like 1.9 years. And as a reminder, just in the 1970s and 80s, it was eight years. Of course, back then, there was little to no, well, there was no online trading. And for some of you older people listening, you remember that it was $50 or $100 to do a trade. So you were really disincentivized to actually go and sell something. So that's why eight years was the norm back then. And that's just the average. So half were longer than eight years. And now with a lot of the apps and the low cost trading services like eTrade and TD Ameritrade and the like, there's incentive to actually sell and just get out. So it's much lower holding times. So that makes me ask the question then, what would it take to be able to hold for a longer period of time? Because obviously you would have been pretty successful in some of these stocks if you had held for longer than the two years and um, had managed to hold on five or 10 or maybe even 20 years. I have a couple traits that I feel that investors and especially value investors should have or try to develop in order to be a better long-term value investor. So the first one is just to have guts. And what does that mean? So value investors buy stocks that are out of favor by Wall Street. And that's not easy to do, as most of you know. It Sometimes it invokes ridicule by other people, and it takes guts to stand up for that stock purchase. Look at Warren Buffett as an example, even with Wells Fargo. There's a lot of people questioning, why is he still in that? Um, you know, and when he buys more, there. why is he buying more? That's, you know, company has issues. But Wells Fargo has a PE right now of 12. And it's paying a dividend among the highest of the large banks because the shares have fallen at 2.8%. So it's definitely a value stock here. And I ask all the other value investors out there, have you thought about buying it and why not? It is, as I said, among the cheapest of the big banks, It's out of favor right now, but uh, other than some of the issues, we know what they are with the PR, with the management, and um, these are not small issues by any means, but the rest of the fundamentals of the bank appear to be pretty solid. So it takes guts to be a contrarian and dive in on some of these companies that everybody else is hating on. But that is a trait that value investors should try to develop because I feel like you could go a long way if you're able to have some guts to get into some of these stocks that are out of favor. So the second one, once you actually do go in and buy one of these stocks, is to have patience. That's the second trait you should have. And so it takes the guts to buy. But then you have to have the patience to hold it. As I said, most investors hold for less than two years now. Let's take a look at a a stock that would have taken or is still taking a lot of patience to own. And that's Newell Brands. That's the ticker NWL. These shares soared for several years. like It was an outstanding investment. Then they bought Jardin, which was also an outstanding investment. I used to own it. And I thought, oh, great, these two big branded companies are going to join in and be a big brand powerhouse. And remember, Jardin owned Crockpot and First Alert and they own a lot of outdoor camping goods and just a lot of name brand products we all use. And then um, the shares stalled and then there were some management issues and there was a revolt by some of the Jardin management (laughs) and it's been chaos ever since. There's been some disappointing sales and the shares have plunged. So over the last year, the shares are down 53% and that's versus the S&P, which is up 11.5. And even in just the last month, the shares are down another 10%. And I know some insiders have gone in there to buy, to try to prop it up and say, we believe and all that. And I like that. But Wall Street doesn't, at least not right now. So this stock has a forward P of just 9.5 and it now pays a dividend yielding 3.6%. So um, are you patient enough to get in it? Or if you've been in it and you've seen this huge slide, are you willing to wait it out? That's the question. These are the issues that confront the value investor, especially buying these beaten down stocks. How long are you willing to wait around for the turnaround? Because they don't happen overnight, as we've seen many times. And um, this is a a trait that good value investors are willing to, um, you know, get so that they stay in these stocks against all odds really. Sometimes you don't want to stay in them. That's a whole nother discussion that we should probably have too. But as long as the fundamentals are sound and the company's trying to turn it around, then it might be worth staying in. So another stock that I've thought about about the patients a lot is Chipotle. We've talked about that in a while. Um, a couple times because a lot of people thought with its big sell-off that it might be a value stock. That ticker is CMG, of course. It's still not a value. It's P is at, back at 50 now. It was around 40 times. Now it's at 50 again. But it went IPO on January 26, 2006. So not even that long ago either. And since then... Uh, Chipotle is up 884% versus the S&P 500 of 145%. So that all sounds pretty great, right? That's just 12 years since its IPO up 884%. But over the last five years, the shares are up just 18.4%. That's the last five years. So most of these gains were front-loaded for Chipotle. Um, And then as many of you know, it soared. And then we had this big massive sell-off. So just 18.4%, S&P up 63.7% in that same time. That's not, um, you know, that's not the way you want to be going when you're a long-term buy and hold type. So that brings me to the third trait, and that is how to control your emotions, or I like to call it don't panic. (laughs) That may seem obvious, right? And that might seem obvious even with something like Chipotle, because couple of those sell-offs, it was probably hard for the long-term investors or any investor in there or trader not to panic when you're down, you know, 15 or 20% on an earnings report or on their PR issues. And, um, as the stock continues to slide. And another example of don't panic and how to control your emotions is with Disney actually. And that ticker is DIS. So, This is a question of do you sell it every time a movie doesn't do that great at the box office or if they have a TV show that they launch that bombs, um, you know, you can get shares for Disney down 10 percent off of concerns about their amusement parks or foreign travel or, again, ESPN, which has been a concern for a long time. And then you have to learn as an investor, if you're a long term investor, How to block that out, control your emotions and not care that Han Solo, you know, Solo the movie didn't do as well at the global box office as hoped because they have other things going on at the company than just this one movie. So did you brush that off as an investor or are you making angry tweets about management about Solo and Star Wars and people need to be fired and that kind of thing? Because if you are, that's not really controlling your emotions. And as an investor, you really want to look at the bigger picture, at the at the fundamentals, and learn how to control those emotions if you're going to own for the long term. So over the last year, Disney shares are down about 8% versus the S&P 500 up 11.5. They had soared in um, years prior going into um, the last couple of years. They've stalled out and or declined. So... I actually added this to the value investor portfolio not that long ago because it's now trading at 14 and a half times its earnings. And that seemed like pretty good value given what they're doing and their growth trajectories. So good investors combine all three of these traits. So the guts, because you have to have the guts to get in it. The patience, you have to have the patience to hold it. And then the control your emotions, which kind of goes into the patience too, but control your emotions and don't panic so that you stay in it. And these seem easy, but they're not. Now, none of us are perfect. And for value investors, um, you know, you will be most successful if you could deploy at least several of these kind of traits. We all can't do them all at the same time, which is why the average hold is just under two years because it's hard to do. But also remember that past returns like these ones from the hot IPOs aren't always what it's going to be in the future. So I know it's fun to look at these articles and say, oh, if only I had bought Microsoft when it didn't go anywhere for the last 10 years, and then I bought during that time and accumulated shares while it underperformed the S&P 500, then I would be really well off today. Well, that's, again, looking in the rearview mirror. You need to look forward and create your own successes on finding those kind of hidden gem stocks Or even not hidden gems, the ones you believe do have the fundamentals to keep moving higher. And that's what's fun about investing. So value investing in particular is great at flushing out these kind of hidden gems and buying opportunities. Use your value investing skills to find those kinds of stocks. And at some point, actually, Microsoft would have been a value. And even Amazon back in the day... They, they run these articles about Amazon and Priceline, but Priceline barely survived the dot-com bust, actually. So I don't think many people were owning it in that time period. Um, again, I've never heard anyone coming forward to say they've owned Priceline for the last 20 years since its IPO. And the same with Amazon. It was uh, not a great stock there for many, many years, if you go back and look at the chart. So it took... It took a lot of patience and guts to hang in on that one if that was where you thought things were going to be going and the good times were going to be going. So... Um, be sure to look around out there as a value investor because the value stocks aren't always what they seem and a lot of them we've covered here on the show. Some of them on the retail side have really rebounded in the last year and we were talking about them being value stocks a year ago. So, definitely value uncovers those hidden gems and buying opportunities if you use it correctly. So, let's recap some of the tickers on this show. So we had Netflix, NFLX. It's not a value stock right now. It still continues to soar. I'm This one might've been a value stock way back in the day before the streaming and all of that. But in recent years, it's a pure growth play now. Then we had Wells Fargo, WFC. If you're looking for a big bank, it is among the cheapest of that group. And um, the banks could be a good place to be this year with those rates rising. Then Newell Brands, still getting beaten up, NWL, but real cheap with a 9.5 PE there. Chipotle still hasn't gone into the value area I would like it to go as a value investor. But if you're on the gross side, you might want to look at it. CMG is the ticker there. And then Disney, also another value stock with that PE under 15, which is what I like to screen for, for classic value. And it's pretty much not liked on Wall Street right now either, Disney, ticker DIS. So be sure to subscribe to the Value Investor Podcast so you can get all of our episodes. Um, We cover the screens for the values here. We cover Warren Buffett, of course, and we bring you the value stocks every week. So subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or we're on SoundCloud under the Zacks Market Edge logo over there under that show, but you'll get two for one. Or we have our own show on Spotify now. So value investors on Spotify. So get us there and I'll see you again next time.